You know, this uh, scripture starts out uh, with verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. That's, that's a, a powerful thing to think about. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You know, when I look at this, I realize that Jesus was declaring something. How many understand that if you look out throughout the history of Israel, throughout the Old Testament, it was often called a vine. It was in Psalms 80 and others, it was talked about as Israel being a vine that was uprooted or taken out of Egypt and planted and transplanted, if you will. And it was a symbol of Israel to be a vine. But in every case, when you look at Israel as being a vine, there was also a negative connotation because they never fulfilled the plan that they were supposed to do. They always seemed to fall away from God's plan. And so Jesus was declaring something very powerful here. He says, yes, you might be the vine. I mean, how do you understand? He's talking to a bunch of uh, people who consider themselves God's vine, but he is declaring something, and it's probably inflammatory because he's saying, you might be the vine, but I'm the true vine. What a powerful statement. And, and to know that, he said, I am the true vine. In other words, he's saying, I am the direct seed. I am the, I am the choicest plant, according to Isaiah chapter 5, when it talks about the one who, uh, the, the parable of the father who has dug up the rocks and who has planted the choicest vine. Jesus is saying, look, you might think you were the choice vine, but I'm the choicest vine. I'm the true vine. I am the seed that is enduring. I am the seed that is planted that will not waver. I am the one who will be planted that will not compromise. And he said, I am the true vine. Isn't that great that he's invited us in? The Bible tells us later on that we've been grafted in. Isn't that awesome? We might have different backgrounds. We might have different roots. We might have different uh, situations in life. Uh, uh, the Germans call it the Hausgeschichte for you theologians, the situation in life, you know. And, and so you might have a different situation in life, but no matter the situation in your life, no matter the emotional background or the baggage that you've carried or the hardships that you've faced, Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine and you can be grafted into me. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to have the old roots. You don't have to have the old flow, but you can have a new flow, new blood flowing through your veins, new life flowing through you. And not only am I the true vine, but my father is the vine dresser. I don't know about you, but I mean, this is talking about the one who wrote in Jeremiah says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. This is the one who thinks good thoughts about you, who wants to see you blessed, who wants to see you prosperous, who wants to see you encouraged, not the one who wants to cast you down. So many times well, we get this false mentality in our mind that, that God, the Heavenly Father is just that great big judge in the sky who wants to cast you down every mistake you make, but that is not our God. He wants to lift us up. And when I look at this, it says, my Father is the vine dresser. And it says this, it says, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, so many times we only look at that translation or that version, but when you think of the word it says he takes away, also means he takes up. Now, how many of you have ever had muscadine vine? Come on, y'all should be honest. Don't be making that muscadine wine, though. 
My, my grandfather, he, he had these beautiful vines, these beautiful muscadine vines. And, and every year, you know, he went out and, and he, would, he put sand all around the bottom. And then he would, then he would prepare those uh, plants. He would lift them up. How many know that, that they can't be laying on the ground, right? Had to be lifted up. He would lift them up. And, and literally what it's saying is, is that my father is the vine dresser. And, and he's saying, if you are not bearing fruit, he will lift you up. How many know we've got to be lifted up sometimes? I mean, you know, there are attitudes that will affect us because if you are down all the time, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to bear fruit. And, and if you look at any type of, of, there's a new fungus that has gone around that has affected a lot of different vines or vineyards. It's called black rot. And if you're down long enough, you're going to get some black rot on you. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're going to be down and your life is going to not be shining bright. It's going to be black and dreary and dim. And if you think about a vine dresser where black rot has taken place, literally they have to go in and they have to cut the, the old vines that are affected away. And, and, and even, now, now y'all going to laugh at this. How many, under, how many know that, that the fruit that has fallen on the ground that has begun to rot, they call them mummies? Did you know that? How many knew that? They call them mummies. And, and, and they say that these mummies, I'm, I'm not talking about mummies. <laughs> mummies. And so, and if they lay there long enough, they begin to also produce these mold spores that begin to also encourage the death of the plant. How many know that we can't sit around dead and and sit around lifeless. We can't sit around doing nothing because all we do is we begin to produce some mold spores, if you will. We, be, we begin to produce things that begin to rot everything else. We produce things that are not uh, of God because we are dead, but God has not called us to be dead. He's called us to be alive. Amen. And so the vine dresser, not only does he lift up the vine, not only does he, does he wipe away, in other words, what he does is cultivate the mummies, that's what, they, that's what they call cultivating the mummies. Literally, he buries the dead. He puts away all of the effect, infected things that would keep us from being life. And he, and he puts that away so that we can then grow and be life. Aren't you glad that the Father is the vine dresser this morning? Amen? And how many know that there's some coffins in us? There's some mummies that we have in our life, in our past, that sometimes we allow to hinder us. We allow to, them to breed death into us to keep us from experiencing what God wants us to experience. We understand that we hear the word of God say, nothing shall separate me from the love of God, right? And we go through all these things, but there's one thing that is not mentioned, and it is our past. And so many times we allow the mummies of our past that we have not buried and we let them sit there, we let them rot and they affect us and we wonder all the time while we're going forward, why do we keep going one step forward and two steps back? It's because the mummies are still alive in your life and you've got to bury those things. But I'm so glad that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that the Father, He can bury the mummies, if you will. He can, put a, he can put your past in the past. He can heal. He can transform. He can give life. He can give hope. He can strengthen. He can take away everything that has hindered us so that we can follow Him. Amen. Amen. Y'all still love Jesus? Woo, me too. I love the Lord. And so I see that we have this true vine. I see that we have the vine dresser. I see that... 
that sometimes our attitudes of the past or things of the past, I, I put attitudes, but really it's not just attitudes, it's just life experiences. Some of us in our, in our history have been abused. Some of our, in our history we have faced some things, uh, hard parents or someone who's spoken uh, things into us that we have allowed to prosper in us and they have not benefited us for the kingdom of God. And the Lord wants to take those things and he wants to bury them. He wants to put them in your past so that you will look unto him, the author and finisher of your faith, so you'll look unto him and know that he's the only way. I mean, when I look at this passage that I talked about a few moments ago, Isaiah chapter 5, I, I see that, that, that the Lord planted the choice vines and he cleaned out the rocks and he prepared the soil. But, but then he said this, he said, uh, he, he planted them with an expectation. How many have an expectation? He planted them with an expectation for growth. He expected them to produce good fruit. I mean, how many have ever planted, how many, how many like tomatoes in here? Right? Y'all better boy people? Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Good old tomato sandwiches with a little salt and a little mayonnaise. And if, you, and if you're real southern, you put a little bologna on it, right? I know it's about lunchtime. But y'all inviting, I'm going. <laughs> me and Ken's got something in common. You know, our middle name is don't, don't call me late for lunch, you know? But you know, the, the thing is, is that if you planted a seed and it didn't produce good tomatoes, would you plant the same seeds next year? No. You would do something different. You would try different brands. You would try a different type of uh, tomato because you want something that's good. You want something vibrant red and juicy and flavorful. Mm. Well, I'm going to have to hurry up and finish preaching because you want it good. Well, how much more... Is the fact that God planted seeds with an expectation for there to be good fruit. And you can't have bad fruit coming from a good tree. Because if it's bad fruit coming from a good tree, you're going to saw that baby down and you're going to plant something different. And so the father is one who wants to plant good seed with an expectation. And so every one of us, no matter how old or young or how far away from God you've been or how close you've stayed, no matter what your circumstances is, God expects you to bear good fruit. Look, at somebody say, God wants you to be fruitful. I didn't say fruity. <laughs> Some of you that way too, right? God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be life-giving, hope-giving. And a lot of times the people just come to Christ. And we come and we, we bear our soul to the Lord and, 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 and we identify with Luke chapter 4 where Jesus said he has anointed me to uh, set the captives free, you know, to heal the brokenhearted. And he, he lists these things and, and we come to him for only for a moment because we recognize the deficiencies that we have in our soul and, and we go to him and say, oh God, you know, I'm brokenhearted, you know, I just lost this, or I just did this, and Lord, I need you to, to heal me. And then we walk away. We walk away knowing that for a moment we have been delivered or set free or healed, and yet we never return. It's kind of like the leper who was saved by Jesus, and one came back, and Jesus said, where are the other nine? There's times that God heals us not for us just to go away and do something else. He heals us so that we'll abide in Him. 
If you read the chat, the Isaiah chapter 63 or 61, where uh, where Jesus is quoting from in Luke chapter 4 and 18, it goes on and says that, that we are a planting of the Lord. So in other words, it wasn't for us to come to Christ just to be healed, just to be delivered, just to be set free, just to have uh, this moment of emotional healing, but he, we have come to him so that we can be planted in him. Amen? That's what's happening in our society today. People only come for a passing visitation. And they don't understand that, that Jesus hasn't divorced the church. And we don't have visitation rights. He's come for us to abide in him. He's adopted us into the family. It's a full-time marriage. It's a full-time life. It is forever. It's forever. Forever. And forever. And so we abide. He comes and... He wants us to abide in his presence and, and we get great benefits from that because then we see out of that relationship what we get, we learn that we can depend on him. How many know that we can depend on God? Amen. Because there's, there's a lot of folks that through their history or through their situations that have not been able to depend on someone. And Jesus is saying, you can depend on me if, if you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear a fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Look, it's not up to you to bear fruit. Isn't that a great relief? It's not up to you to be able to have this life-giving flow. It's not that you work something up. I mean, we're not a cheerleader with pom-poms saying, Woo, you can do this. No. Y'all want, want to see me do that, but I'm not going to do it. It's, a, it's recorded, uh-oh. Overseer, I'm sorry. The fact is, is that he says that if you abide in me and I abide in you, he is the one that produces fruit. He's the one, if, if we'll just be the branch, if we'll just be the one that's connected, it might not be that we can spring forth flowers or fruit but if we'll just stay connected, he'll bring forth the flowers. Your life might look like a branch just sitting there, but yet if you will just stay connected in some, in some moment, in due season, the Bible says, I will lift you up. In due season, I will bring life. In due season, I will bring fruit. If you'll just trust me, if you'll just surrender to me, if you'll just be connected to me. And I don't know about you, but I want to see... Alcoa Maribel, so connected. Somebody said that, you know, you can get too spiritual-minded that you're no earthly good. Now, that's, that's a fallacy. Because, you know, this is, this is a temporary passing. I want to be so connected to God that when I'm walking, he says something, I want to know what he's saying. I want to know the whisper that's in my ear because if I'm connected to him, no matter how, how the environment may be, if I'm so connected... When he says, hey, you need to pray for that brother, I can go. If it's in the Walmart or the Chinese restaurant or the Mexican restaurant, I'm naming some places I like to go. If, um, God bless you. No matter where you are, if you're truly connected to the Lord, then you will be sensitive to his spirit, and he can lead you to bring life into wherever you are. I mean, there's ministries that this church does that not everybody even knows about. There's, there's ministries that this church is connected to that some people can't handle because 
because all they see is the environment that they go into. But the reality is, is no matter how sickening the environment is, Jesus, Jesus was there preaching and, and, and a prostitute came along and he says, he who cast the first stone, he who has no sin cast the first stone. And Jesus was saying, look, you're judging society based on their, what they've gone through, what they've experienced. Instead of asking, what are you doing? Ask what happened to them. Because it could be a son or daughter that has lost their way. It could be somebody who used to be in the church that was hurt by a church. It could be just a young lady who's been abused by a relative who lost their way. Or it could be somebody who's fell on luck and didn't have a different way. And the only thing they could think of was giving themselves in a lifestyle that they didn't really want to be in. And they hate because they don't like it because they know there's a better way. But they're looking for somebody to be light in the midst of their darkness. And Jesus has called us to be that. And so we depend on him, not out of an outflow of our own abilities, but we depend on him because he is the way. He is the truth. He's the life giver. And so we depend on him for life, to be able to be fruitful. We depend on him for fellowship. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, so many times we're just, it's amazing to me, I just want to know more of God, but when do you open the door? Look, your five-minute your five-minute devotion is not, an, it's just a crack. I mean, you had that person knock on your door? And I, and, 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 and I know I'm talking about like the Mormon faith. They knock on your door and you're like, what you want? You know, who are you? You know, looking through the, but look, Jesus, too many times we're doing the same thing to Jesus. He's standing at the door and knock. We open, we open just enough for him to give a little word in, for a little seed in. And, and then we shut the door and say, oh, that was good. Whew, thank you, Jesus. And we shut the door and we never let him sup with us. We never let him sit in with us. We never open the door and say, Lord, sit at the table. Let me get you the best seat, God. Let me spend a little time because there's some, there's some revelation that you want to give me. And, and the only way I can do that is relationship. It's fellowship. And let me tell you, the, the fellowship is the best ship to be in. Amen. Amen. He sustains. Philippians chapter 4, 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He sustains us. So not only do we depend on him, we fellowship him. When he sustains us, he protects us. For he who dwells in the shelter of the Almighty, right? He, he protects us. He liberates us if you abide in me and my word if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free i want to be free yes and so we see that we abide in him for relationship we abide in him for effectiveness i mean i know i'm asking y'all mind if i take this jacket off here it's hot up in this house um, I know I'm, I think we have to really, truly evaluate ourselves. You know, David said it this way, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try me. And I think so often that we get so caught up in the structure of church. Don't get me wrong, there's, 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 there needs to be structure. Jesus, the, the word says he does all things in decency and order. There has to be some structure for decency and order. But at the same time, I think we get so caught up in that that we lose sight of the fact that, that, that we have a responsibility in this body. 
and we need to evaluate who are you who are you discipling who are you pouring into who who are you challenging for the kingdom of God right now because if you are in the vine then you're going to be doing what the vine does because if he's life-giving you're going to be life-giving if he's bearing fruit you're going to bear fruit and so therefore we have to evaluate Lord where am I at in this relationship where am I in the vine what part am I supposed to do what what am I supposed to be we ask God to because if we are truly in the vine we will be effective Amen? Now, okay, I'm going to go back to my tomato plants. Y'all know that I like tomatoes. Um, I used to raise tomatoes. I was in the FFA, Future Farmers of America. But, you know, tomatoes will have a sucker sometimes. How I many you know what a sucker is, right? Don't look at me. <laughs> Not the sucker in here. <laughs> It have a, have a sucker that, that will grow on it. And if you allow that, that stem to continue to grow, it will cause you to have less vibrant tomatoes because it will suck the life out of the rest of the plant. So you have to cut the sucker out, right? And, and so the fact is, is you have to evaluate yourself. Lord, am I just a sucker? Am I just one that comes to church and I'm just one sucking up the nice air condition and, whoo, that's a good preaching boy. Or am I truly implanted, ingrained, vibrantly a part of the plan of God so that you, Lord, at your season, your time, I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do? Amen? And that is what God wants us to be because if we're going to be effective, we're effective because we abide in Him. If we don't abide in Him, then we will not have the life-giving flow flowing through us. Amen. He empowers us. He empowers us. I think we can gather the fact that if you're in the flow, then you're going to be connected, right? And if you're in the flow that, that you see that the power of God flows through us, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will. You, you can ask whatever you wish of the Father, and it will be given to you. Now look, the world has taken a different spin on that. Lord, I want that nice, shiny car. Lord, I want the you know, half a million dollar house. And we take their spin on that because they ask what they want. But the reality is if you are in the flow of God and the flow is flowing through you, then what you ask will be because it comes from the life-giving flow. And let me tell you something. If you're asking in line with the Father and you are aligned with Him and the flow of God is flowing through you, the Bible says that, uh, that he'll give you the desires of your heart, but really it's a better translation. He will give desires to your heart. Because when you are connected to him and you're flowing in him, then that flow flows through you. And so that when you ask, you're asking because you know that this is for the kingdom of God. It's not for your own, uh, your own enjoyment. It's not for your own pleasure, but it is because it is for the pleasure of God. And when you ask whatsoever you will according to his plan, he will do it. It will happen. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. Somebody needs to start speaking to your mountains and telling them to move in Jesus' name. Amen? Get out of my way. There's a plan that God has, and I'm going to follow the plan. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody give me some landing music, because you know I know y'all look at me. 
Amen. You know, there's a whole lot of people who have gotten into ministry just for the pat on the back. But we do what we do. You do what you do for the glory of God. The Bible tells us, do all to the glory of God. That's not just ministry. I mean, we live in a society that used to value their work, didn't we? You know, a Ford was a Ford. I mean, those guys, every wrench they put on that thing, when that product left that assembly line, it had value because they had put their life into it. It was something they valued. Same with any other brand you want to say. But the fact is now we've got machines with big old robots and they're doing this thing and there's no value. There's no sense of pride in your work. There's no sense of accomplishment when that last car rolls off of the little assembly line. And sadly that rolls into, whether it be schoolwork, it rolls into our daily life. And we go so half-heartedly with stuff and, and yet... It used to be when we did something, we had pride in it. Whether it be making a birdhouse in the backyard or, or, or that big you know, new addition to the bathroom, whatever it might be, we had pride in it. When we finished, we understood that the job wasn't finished until, the, until it was cleaned up too, right? I mean, we'd build, we'd sweep, we'd pick up the garbage, take it off the dump, and then when that job was done, we left that thing. Wow, we can take a picture and put that on home and garden. Because it had value. Where's the sense of, this is for the glory of God. Where's the sense of that anymore? See, because those who abide in the vine understand that everything they do is for the glory of God. It's not for, for personal advancement. It's not for personal gain. It's not just, well, here's one of, here's one of those other things the pastor asked me to do. <laughs> right? It's because you accepted a call to God to serve. And we serve. And we do our best. Because if we know that we are serving the Lord, then everything we do, because let me tell you something, the world's watching you. There's an old secular song, somebody's watching you. Right? Well, somebody's watching you, whether you like it or not. Whether you're on an assembly line, whether you're sitting behind a desk, whether you're teaching in a school, somebody's watching you. And they're, they're taking note of how you live your life. Every valley that comes around, and you're all down in the press, well, life's horrible, I'll just go eat worms. <laughs> right? They're watching you. They say, well, look, I have bad days too, and that's the way I act. How are we glorifying God in the valleys and on the mountaintops? How are we glorifying God in what we do, what we say, where we go, how we affect? Because the world's watching. And, and we claim, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Woo! Not only am I a Christian, but I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> Woo! Right? So we claim these bold, extravagant claims. And then we'll go sit at a table at a restaurant, and the waitress doesn't even want to wait on us because they see us every week, and we the least giver, tipper 
that they ever have, and we wonder why they don't want to come to church. We get our food, and we're like, that's not the way I ordered it. I don't like it. Like, I hate waitressing on Sundays because these church people drive me crazy. We make these bold and brash claims of who we are. And then we don't represent Him for the glory of God, for the glory of the Father. And, and Jesus is saying, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And He's saying, look, my Father wants to be glorified in you, and this is how you'll know that you're my disciples, that you're bringing glory to the Father, and you're being fruitful. I know I'm not finished the outline, and, and, and like I said, I might, I might not. Point is that we as a church, we as the body of Christ, have to learn to abide in the vine. Because if we truly want to be fed by the vine, we truly want the favor of the vine. I mean, how many how many want the favor of the vine? Right? Because every time we get in trouble, we go to the favor of the vine. But but you can't get the favor unless you're walking in the flow. And so if you, if you want to abide, then you're going to abide in the aspects of that, and you're going to glorify the, the Father wherever you are because that flow is going to flow through you. And the great thing is, is that, aren't you glad that we have the Holy Spirit? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. How many is a temple in here? Better treat that thing good, boys and girls. That's the temple of the Holy Spirit right there you're walking in. You better treat it good. Make it, make it last. And so when you walk as the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit resides in you. Okay, I, I'm just going to be real, 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 real. All right, I, I drive fast, okay? My mom always says, you're going to outrun your, your angel. Look, wherever you go, whatever you do, recognize that the Holy Spirit abides in you. And it says, these signs will follow them that believe. Think about this, guys. In my name, they will cast out In my name, we're going to do some vibrant things, not because of who you are, what you've been, or how gloriously holy and righteous you think you are. No, because of the Spirit of God that resides in you. You're going to see an anointing because you're walking in the flow and the favor. As you're walking in that, whether it be the hospital, the nursing home, you're going to walk by some people and you're going to sense that, whoo, I feel that. Did you feel that? Let me stop right here. We've got to stop and pray for a minute. And I'm expecting to hear some miracles out of you. I'm expecting to hear some phenomenal things that God's going to do because we, as the body, are abiding in Him. I believe that. I believe that when I left in 2007 to move to Honduras. I believe that. I believe that in 2015 when I moved back from Honduras. I still believe. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did back then hasn't stopped. 
You know, some organizations will say that, oh, those gifts and spirit, that stops at a certain time. Well, I don't know about you, but I still believe miracles happen. Amen? And just as miracles happen and just as knowledge hadn't ceased, I mean, we're all not dummies, are we? Well, don't, don't answer that. We're not all dummies. We all still have knowledge. We still have revelation. We still have these things. In other words, they didn't cease. And the same God who performed those miraculous things back then is the same God who can perform them today. He's waiting on a people who will say, I'm ready to abide, Lord. I'm ready to, to be connected. I'm ready to get in, God. I'm ready to be enveloped in your presence. God, wherever you say go, I'll go. Whatever you say give, I'll give. Whatever you say do, I'll do. Tell me how high to jump, Jesus. I'll jump. Because I know that you're there with me. And I know that you're leading me. And that's the kind of people he's looking for. And that's the kind of people I want to be. Amen? Those who are rooted, grounded, abiding in the flow, abiding in his presence. This morning, if you say, Pastor, that's not where I've been, and that's not where I am. You say, Pastor, I know that about what he's done, I've experienced some life-giving flow, but I am not abiding in his presence like I should. But today, I want to make a deeper commitment. Today, I want to, to do something different because to get a different result, I've got to do something different. And I'm not satisfied. I'm plateaued. I've just been chugging along. It's been depressing. It's been a struggle. I, I don't get anything anymore. I'm not happy in my faith. I need something fresh. Let me say this morning, if that's your heart, if that's your desire, is that, what, is that where you are? Would you be willing to say, that's me, Pastor. I want more. That's me, Pastor. I want more. Me too. I mean, I got two hands up because it's me too. If I could put both legs and hands up, I'd do it. I want more. I don't ever want to be satisfied with what yesterday gave me. I don't ever want to be satisfied with yesterday's meal. I don't know about you, but I don't like, like, like leftovers. Right? I want something fresh, something hot, something new. So God wants to give that to you. And that's, if that's your desire, can we just stand together this morning? Not that we want to beat the Baptist to the restaurant. We just got to close on time. I'm hungry, guys. But I'm hungry for the presence and power of God. I'm hungry for a move of God that's so deep, that's not just connected to a series of services. I'm hungry for the presence of God to move in us. I'm hungry to see you being overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. I'm hungry to see you do something different, something out of the norm, because God's just telling you to do it. And you're like, I don't know, God. And God's saying, do it. Have you ever done that to your child? Your kid, you're like, you can do it. And God's just standing there saying, you can do it. And I just believe God's going to do something in you that's something different. And I'm expecting that.
I'm excited about. Amen? Amen. Look to somebody and say, God's going to do something different in you. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you have allowed us the privilege to be connected to you. God, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. That you have, that you have created us in your image and that you've put something in us, into our DNA, that has, has a desire for something more than just the natural things of this world. But there's something supernatural that we long for. And no matter whether it's an indigenous group in a jungle that's never heard of you or whether it's those who are most righteous who studied so in depth. God, from generation to generation, there's, there's a deep hole in every one of us who longs for something supernatural. And I pray that we will not be satisfied by the mundane, but God, that we will seek your face. And Lord, your word tells us in Jeremiah 33, Call on me and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. God, I'm looking for revelation, for something deeper, for something more. And I pray that I will not be satisfied until that day. Lord, breathe a fresh breath in us. Breathe in us newness. Breathe in us life. Lord, may we be quickened by your Holy Spirit, quickened by your truth and your word. And Lord, may we walk that journey out, abiding in you, not just coming to you for resources, not just coming to you for isolated events, but Lord, abiding in you that where we are, you are there. And we recognize you. Lord, I pray for an anointing to, to rest on everyone in this room because you have chosen us I pray that you'll anoint each one of us for your purposes because just as we've come in blessed, may we go out to be a blessing. And that wherever we go, whether it be a restaurant, whether it be a grocery store, whether it be our own homes, God, that we live the life out of an outflow of being in the flow of you. God, we praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.